everyone. Welcome back to the Good News Scoop with me, Rebecca Dominic-Donahue. Um, I hope everyone has had an amazing week. We're back to normal again this week, as you might be glad to know. And this week, I had the opportunity to interview Nick Lowinger, who has finally managed to become the first male guest I've had on the show. And what a first we have. Nick is the CEO and founder of an American charity, Gotta Have Soul, which donates brand new footwear to children in homeless shelters across all 50 US states in order to open up opportunities for them. Since he founded the charity 11 years ago, when he was 12 years old, they have provided shoes for over 100,000 children across the US. He's also the first international guest, which is very exciting as well. So after me having to use my brain far too much to try and figure out the time change, we managed to sit down and chat about, about what he's up to. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nick. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to have me. No problem at all. Um, I suppose the, the first question, um, how are you? How's lockdown? I suppose you're in the States with a completely different setup to what we're at here. Yeah, I, you know, I'm hanging in there. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't go into a full lockdown, so it's still a pretty big issue here with COVID and everything. So the need uh, is definitely growing a lot. It's impacting a lot of lower income communities in particular, but, you know, it's, a, it's an international issue. So we're making the most of it. Um, I'm in New York City right now, so it's like semi back into normal. Uh, I think you can do like a little indoor eating, preferably outdoor. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely making the most of it. Yeah, you've dealt with it completely different than um, we have. We're still in lockdown, full lockdown here at the minute. Um, mm. Like it's been a mad year for everyone, but I suppose over in the States, it's you've had an especially tumultuous year this past year and that's sort of putting it lightly. Yeah, it was a really interesting thing to transition into because uh, COVID hit when it was my last semester of college or of uni. So I uh, had to go back home yeah. <laughs> and stay with my family for months and months and months, uh, which, you know, wasn't the ideal way to graduate. But fortunately, I come from a very supportive family and, you know, we were able to try and be proactive and make the most of our time together. Uh, you know, also my mom and I run the charity out of our home back in Rhode Island. Uh, so it was. It gave us a nice chance to sort of like take a, another look at things, readdress, and you know work a little bit better because we could be together in person. Yeah, no, definitely. That that um, brings me nicely. We could have chit chatted nearly there all day, but we definitely should be talking about the charity. Um, there's there's so much like there's so much to get through, but um, I suppose the best place to start with anything is going right back to the very beginning. Um, so you founded the charity when you were about twelve, and I suppose. I'm sure everyone's looking to know, like, why? Like, what was the reason behind it? Like, I can't imagine there's many 12-year-olds that are like, right, I'm going to start a non-profit organization. Like, I know yeah. definitely I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I I, start, I don't think I even knew exactly what a non-profit was before I started Gotta Have Soul. Uh, basically, you know, in the very beginning, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go back even further back from when I was 12 to when I was five years old. So, my mother is an art therapist. She's been doing work uh, with people from all different age ranges, all different developmental levels. Uh, and she was doing and still is doing a good amount of work in the homeless shelter system. So when I was five, she spoke with my dad. We, as a family, thought it would be a great idea for me to start going and volunteering just so I could see what people were going through in a different circumstance for me. 
start, you know, building some empathy at a very young age. I, I really appreciate that. Even if I hadn't gone on to do what I'm doing right now, like, I think that's a brilliant thing to yeah, just definitely. gain exposure at a young age. So you can see just what the real world is like, not just the little bubble that you may be a part of. So when I was there, uh, you know, I was seeing other kids who were around my age. I was becoming friends with them. You know, at that age, you don't see things on those different levels yeah. of like socioeconomic class or uh, different like education levels or like access to education and access to opportunities. You just see a kid as a kid. Uh, and so for me, I saw these kids, some of whom were barefoot, some of whom were wearing shoes that were held together by duct tape falling apart, like really poor conditions of footwear. And I had just gotten my own new pair of sneakers. So I went from being all excited to show kids my age, something new that I'd gotten to being exposed to kids who had never owned a new pair of shoes, let alone had shoes that protected their feet. Um, and so I took that in, you know, I'm five at the time, I'm trying to process all of that. So I'm asking them questions about what it's like, you know, since they are living like this. And, I, you know, I was hearing that they were going to school and being bullied because of being homeless and, you know, their shoes, they were being bullied over those. Uh, they couldn't play sports with their friends, you know, be part of teams, go to the park as much. Cause you know, if you don't have something that properly fits, it's hard to get anywhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Cause it sounds it's like, apart. and so for me, it was shocking. Yeah, no, it's such, it's such like a, I suppose if someone was thinking, oh, what can I do to help people? Like it's not people's first thought, like maybe it's food and shelter, but shoes is such like a fundamental thing that we just completely mm -hmm. would take for granted. And like, I suppose, like you you'll know yourself this as you were saying there the shoes you you couldn't go and play with your friends you couldn't go outside it was such like the core elements of what it was to be a child because you hadn't got a pair of shoes just weren't happening precisely and I'm you know that that had always been something that bothered me because my whole life uh, shoes were always a grant like you know I took them for granted it was something that I always knew I was going to have uh and you know, it's hard to imagine life without them. And so being exposed to that, I saw that was like my first real time at that stage of my life seeing injustice. I, I didn't realize that there were people who didn't have the same opportunities as me. And I knew that in my heart, there's there had to be something I could do uh, to make it better um, for them. So immediately, like literally the first day I'd gone to that shelter, I went home with my mom, my dad, we went into my closet. I was trying to find all the clothes that I didn't wear anymore, any shoes I didn't wear anymore to try and donate. And I go back to the shelter the following week to give them all of the things I, I wasn't using anymore. And I could only help the people who could fit into what I was donating. Yeah. And so that's only a handful of kids who are going to have the same shoe size as me. Um, and, you know, with footwear too, like, you know, with, with like clothing like you'll you can wash it you can get it to be almost like it's brand new even now like there's ways to refurbish sneakers to get them like almost like they're brand new yeah. but it's not the same as something that's brand new that you get to wear into your feet there's like that sense of pride yeah. and it's like your own thing your that own. you own yeah absolutely absolutely so that's really when the idea for gotta have soul was born but I certainly was not capable of starting a charity of a nonprofit when I was five. So I yeah, well, I mean, I was 12. twelve was impressive enough. Five was a bit much. Like <laughs> I agree. 
So yeah, that's kind of how Gotta Have Soul happened. You know, I was 12 years old. I'm Jewish. Uh, and there's a big part of our like coming of age ceremony, the bar mitzvah, where in most uh, communities, they encourage someone to do a bar mitzvah, uh, what is it, like a, a bar mitzvah project. Yeah. Where basically they're giving back to the community in some way, tends to be something they're passionate about. And so, you know, I'm brainstorming at home, like, I don't know what to do. And my mom was like, you always mentioned, you know, you wanted to give shoes to these kids. And I was like, oh my God, this, this is it. Yeah, I'm just like, go I for don't the idea just, you've had. Of course. And I, I didn't want to just stop. You know, a lot of people, they'll do a one-time project, which is amazing. Like, it makes a big impact. I just had been seeing that need for so many years. And I saw that there really wasn't enough being done that I felt like I, because I knew about it so much and cared so much about it, I could make a bigger impact. So that's how Gotta Have Soul was born as a nonprofit. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, it's amazing. And like, um, since then, I, I suppose I might be wrong here, but like, I can't imagine like when you were starting that off that you were ever going to plan that where it is now, like it's just grown exponentially. Like there's no sort of how you can put it into words. I suppose when you were starting off, it was a community project and now you're working the entirety of the, the US. Like, Yeah. So in the beginning, I honestly, I didn't, go to so many homeless shelters as a kid. I was only going to the, that one that my mother had brought me to. So I wasn't aware of the whole scope of this issue, right? So I, you know, I, I'm outfitting all the kids in this one shelter. And I was like, there have to be other shelters I can work with in the state, because this was a big issue in my home state. So I started working with all of those shelters, got a little bit of publicity. And then all of a sudden, people were saying, oh, like, you should help this shelter. You should help that shelter. Whenever we would travel as a family for like any awards for the charity or like going on vacation or anything, we'd connect with a local shelter wherever we were going to make a donation. And slowly it started to grow. And I learned much more about the whole scope of this issue. It's a huge international issue. It's big here in the States. Uh, and I wasn't really seeing people doing enough to address that here in, in my own country. So I figured... I could be that voice. I could be that person who stepped up to, you know, be the one to provide every homeless child with a pair of shoes. Uh, and that's kind of where our idea to expand went from. But initially, yeah, it was just to help my own community. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it's a more like fundamental question about the charity itself. Like, um, obviously we know the end product is the new pair of shoes for the child, but like, what's, what's the process before, before it gets to that point, like what do you do? Sure. So it's really important for us to make sure that the kids are wearing shoes that fit them properly. Uh, obviously, for the reasons I've spoken about, it's so valuable to have something that's comfortable, supportive of your foot, your ankle, uh, something you're proud to wear. There's like all these different positive connotations um, and positive things that come about from having a new pair of shoes that fit. So we have all the shelters that we work with. We have the shelter workers measure the kids' feet and then fill out a form that we've developed on Excel, uh, um, just you know, providing us with their age, gender, uh, footwear size, maybe if they have any preferred colors or, or, or something. Um, and then we're able to go through our stock and pick from our, our stock it's in our garage <laughs> so go into our warehouse i guess um and pick out all the shoes 
for those kids. And so we have a lot of volunteer events that do that, but it's much more than just a pair of shoes at this point. That's how it started. But as we grew, we realized like the personal connection is so critical. Uh, and that was a big thing that differentiated us from a lot of other organizations that just like drop off a box at a place. There's no face that gets associated with the donation. It doesn't feel as personable. And for us, you know, one of the things that we knew kids really valued was that personal touch. So yeah. we made sure to also have a card that goes in with each uh, pair of shoes that has like a drawing. We have, it's like a sketch of a, like a Converse style sneaker with our logo and people decorate it, uh, you know, draw all over it, write a message of hope that goes in with each pair of shoes as well as a pair of socks. Yeah, that's, that's amazing because it's, it is more of like, um, I suppose a lot of charities, especially like say charities that are working, like for example, if we're donating, say here in Ireland and we're donating something to go to Africa, like there's no sort of connect, there's a product that gets there, like say for example, food or other resources, like an aid relief package. But I suppose the personal connection is, I suppose that's nearly as much of a gift to a child as is the actual end product itself. 100%. You know, we found that oftentimes the kids value the card more than they do the shoot because it's showing that someone out there who doesn't even know them cares about them. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, we've literally had, there was a child a couple of years ago whose shoes didn't fit properly. And we were going to swap them out with a pair that would fit. But she didn't want to give the shoes back because she thought she'd have to give the card too. Oh, and no, yeah. I, I mean, that's amazing. It's just small like task to take on. It's not like a whole big to do to decorate a card and write a little message for someone. But boy, does it make a difference in their lives. Yeah, it just means so much. And like, I know you're based, as you are saying there, you're based in Rhode Island. But if you're working like across America and like say for example you get in a request from a shelter in Arizona or Oregon or Louisiana like those are as far away nearly as you can get from like Rhode Island's is nearly as far northeast as you can get um like how how do you actually cover such a wide area so uh there's a couple different ways that we do it first off and this was like the original way is we just ship the product so although we can't be there face-to-face -to, -face to give them. That's one way to go about it, uh, just to make sure that they get there. They still get the cards and everything. So there still is a nice personal element to it, even if they can't literally see me or see a volunteer or something. But one of my favorite things that we've developed are these like clubs programs that we have, as well as a college ambassador program. And I can dive more into the college ambassador program throughout the show, but essentially, uh, it's giving people a chance to actually be present in the shelter. Like the kids can then look up to someone who's a near peer. They might be a little bit older, but it's still someone within that age range that can show them like, Hey, like, you know, I could go to college. I could, I could do this. Like these are people who are on a good path to look up to. Um, and also it provides them a face to attach with the donation so that it, again, doesn't feel like someone's just dropping off a bunch of things that they don't need it's that like it's being so, it's something that's tailored for the kids um so we have volunteers through those or just people who are, want to volunteer and help out in their own communities who can you know work to organize that um it's a little hard during the pandemic to do the in-person part of the donations yeah. uh but you know we have certainly pre-pandemic and post-pandemic it's a big part of what we do is making sure that it's like a true 
donation where someone is giving the product to the kid uh and it's always been such a big part of what we do yeah and the see that connection like between say someone college age and someone who's like a child in a shelter itself i think that's something that over here we're really missing out on like i know in the states there's a lot of programs like yourselves like the brothers and sisters those sort of programs we we don't have anything like that and i Mm. think it's such a great initiative to have like not only like say a role model that you're seeing like in a magazine or someone that you're seeing on the tv that there's like an actual connection to a person rather than something like even even the card for example like the actual like seeing a person themselves is such a different experience yeah 100 percent. you know we've also found not just from the recipients end but from the volunteers end how impactful it is you know um Early on, I was working with some university students uh, who came to make a donation, and one of them was scared to get out of the car because they had like all of these um, images in their head of like what a homeless person is, how the living conditions are, uh, what they do, and it's perpetuating these stereotypes. By the time we were able to actually get him into the facility, he was like, "Oh my God! Like these are these are just kids. Like these are just people who've hit hard times. Normal like that's people. such a big breakthrough." <laughs> They're normal people. They just are in a different financial situation for whatever reason. And it's just, it's really important to have that like sort of holistic experience where it's breaking down barriers in both directions yeah. and just showing everybody, you know, a person's a person. And I, I really have found a lot of value in doing that. And uh, it that was one of the surprising things. I'd always assumed that it would have been more like important to have someone there for kids to look up to. Not so yeah. much having someone go there so that they themselves would get past whatever is in their head. Yeah. It's amazing to see, though. No, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And over the years, like you were saying, you have that college project. There's so many different projects that have nearly branched out from within the Gotta Have Soul project itself. Um, one that I, that I took a bit of an interest in, to be honest, was um, your the Soldiers program, um, mm. which is completely changed and I suppose the demographic of people that you're providing shoes for so it, could you talk a wee bit about what that is yeah absolutely so we don't do that anymore but mm. the soldiers program was something that I took on uh early on in gotta have soul my grandfather was a world war ii veteran uh recently passed away but he was a big part of the work that we've been doing he was like our original fundraiser uh and you know there's a huge issue with homelessness overall like across all the different age groups so we were providing uh new footwear to veterans in hopes that that would help provide them like the stability and like the appearance i guess to also go and try and get jobs uh do job interviews and stuff like that um we ended up stopping doing that program a number of years ago simply because it was a little bit too much of a stretch from our mission of helping children but I mean, it's certainly a big need, you know, especially with all, all the wars that have gone on and, and the impact that it's had on veterans. It's, you know, really appreciate what they do to protect everybody. And it's nice to be able to support them when based on, you know, they put their lives on the line that protect our freedom. The least we could do would be to support them in some way. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of, to be honest, what sort of took me aback a bit, maybe more of that project. I know, um, like here maybe with a slightly better welfare system is catching people before they get to the point of homelessness maybe more so than this is the states in the states but um but to me there's always sort of like 
I don't know if this is an outside looking in. Americans maybe have this like um, there's sort of like a patriotism, uh, idealism around veterans, and I genuinely couldn't get over the fact that a country that has such high regard for all these military personnel also had such a serious problem with veterans ending up below the poverty line again. Mm-hmm. It just it's something I I find personally I I didn't realize how much of a problem it was until I started looking into your charity and what you what you've done. Yeah, I mean, it's surprising that that would be an issue here, because, again, as you said, you know, I think our country at least preaches that we value (laughs) veterans a lot. Um, But, you know, it was nice to be able to do something for the period of time in which we were working on that. Uh, I know it meant a lot to my grandfather to be doing that. Um, And uh, I'm just happy that that was a part of our journey and getting to where we are now. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, other outreach programs, sort of maybe one that's not shoe-based maybe as much. Um, another thing that you've, you've done other than like providing shoes for children to physically get to school and enjoy it, you've also created scholarship programs that are like giving children the monetary ability, I suppose, to fulfill their, their full potential and their full educations. Yeah, so uh, we had been doing that for a number of years. We recently pivoted away from the scholarship program. Uh, however, that was, again, you know, something that we really valued just in helping provide people with their uh, further education. Um, you know, it's so valuable nowadays, especially to have, you know, a, co- a, co- a college or university level of education, uh, just to be able to make it in the world. And so I, I'm proud of the fact that we were able to do that for a number of years uh, and support some amazing kids, some of whom have gone on to help be college ambassadors for us and and support our work in that regard. Uh, you know, it, it did sometimes a very small uh scholarship or just showing that you believe in someone, you know, like can make such a big difference in their belief system. And it's amazing to see what, what may not seem like an incredible amount of money can actually go towards uh, impacting someone. So I'm happy we got to do that uh, for the years in which we were focusing on it. Yeah, I suppose it tied in well as well with the that idea of, like we were saying earlier on, giving a child a pair of shoes and they, they realized that someone cared, like someone actually was taking notice of them and what, what they were doing. And it was just a wee bit more of encouragement maybe that there, there was more going on out in the world and people were taking, taking care of them as much as they maybe didn't realize they were. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, uh, you know, having gone through my whole experience in in uni, I I did see that, you know, there were so many resources out there to provide scholarships that although we really valued doing that when we were doing it, uh, we felt that our resources and our skill set fit much more with refocusing um, on the like actual shoe program. Yeah. And also in developing more comprehensive programs that can teach genuine skills to the children that they otherwise may not have a chance to learn uh and so we were you know we've tried a lot of different things you know the soldiers program that was like an important part of our history i think also with the scholarship program you know boy was that a (laughs) headache to do when we were doing it though my god so many applicants but uh it was amazing i'm happy we got to support those people and i'm happy that it like helped 
get me to the point I am right now, uh, being as focused I am uh, as I am with like our main programming. Yeah, and and something that you we we had sort of briefly mentioned maybe a wee bit early earlier, and definitely go back to again was the college programs that you're currently working on. So that's the, I suppose what we're saying, bringing children or well adults, really young adults into into um homeless shelters sort of so they can see it's more of a um a learning experience i suppose for on both for both parts absolutely you know it's uh it's something that we're really proud of because it in my mind the way that it works is we give the kids the shoes to get to school and we also teach them the skills to succeed when they're there so you know my mom she's an art therapist very talented, intelligent woman. She and another board member uh, who's a, t- a teacher for like lower school students, they work together to create a curriculum uh, that is an arts-based uh, life skill and uh, empowerment curriculum. And so that's what we have the college ambassadors actually teach in the shelters. And it goes over a multitude of uh, topics include going you know anywhere from how to deal with being bullied to uh expressing oneself to personal space just to name a few uh yeah it's it's like an emotional education yeah it's not Mm -hmm. i suppose there's i think that's nearly in most schools there's always you you can learn plenty from books but a lot of the time it is an emotional um education that's maybe missed out on um more so Mm -hmm. it's amazing that you are you're bringing that to um young people Thank you. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, early on, it felt almost like what we were doing, while it was very impactful, it was more of a program that was giving, like it was simply giving, but it wasn't like a true social entrepreneurial like venture, because although it was having a pretty significant impact in that it was helping kids have opportunities to have educations uh, and do all these other things, it you know, once we implemented the ambassador program, it allowed for us to re- really feel like we're having a, like a, a more holistic impact on people because, you know, it's not just opening opportunities for them, it's setting them up to succeed. Yeah. And I suppose, um, like you said earlier on, like a lot of the children that you would have been, you're working with are children that maybe are get, like getting bullied and things like that because they're, because of their like poor shoes and things like that. Um, and I suppose as much as giving them a new pair of shoes is going to stop that end of bullying, maybe that that's going to have something that's obviously going to impact them more long term. Um, the bullying, even if it stops after they get the new shoes, it's something that's going to that has impacted them in the first place. And it's great to have that sort of bring bringing them more educated around so that it's like they've improved all aspects, sort of more than just they have the shoes you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah it's sort of like the old adage about teaching someone how to or or bringing someone a fish because they're hungry or teaching them how to fish right like I feel like we're almost doing both uh you know we're providing them with the fish to keep them sustained and we're teaching them how to catch the fish so they can continue being sustained um and sustain themselves almost so I feel like it's been a really great uh, path for us to go down just in making sure that this is like a really holistic, comprehensive program that is like making the biggest possible impact that we can, given all of our resources and skill sets as a team. Yeah, um, 
actually just when we're we're on the topic of education another question i'd love to ask you is just um how did you manage your education like as you were saying earlier on you've graduated from university like never mind how do you get through university how do you get through normal high school and things and still be like running a charity at the same time like how did that work yeah i i certainly had to learn how to balance uh or create balance in my life because it's hard uh you know back in back in high school i was not only like really focused like laser focused on my education but i also i'm an enormously huge tennis fan and tennis player and so i was also on the tennis team all four years and i was very very busy plus i had to fit in being social and just being a normal high schooler um basically i mentioned earlier about how like what an amazing team we had uh my team was pretty much just my mother and myself uh in the beginning uh and pretty much is how it is so far other than the consultants we also work with and thankfully i had her support because i don't think i would have been able to do it without her uh she was able to step in and do the things that i couldn't uh, i was as involved as i could be without losing my focus um because i knew a lot of people who had taken on running organizations and managing it with school and they got too overwhelmed and then they regretted not having been a teenager or been like in your early 20s and like experiencing all of that while you're still gaining an education. Uh, So I was thankful and I still am very thankful that my parents were able to like, you know, take on the stuff that I couldn't do without having the charity die out because we were still and still are, you know, making a big impact. Um, and I'm happy, you know, it was, it was hard for sure to find the right balance. You know, when I was in university, I was also running the entrepreneurs festival that we had at my school. And like, that was a huge event. Uh, it was like a three day thing with like over a thousand attendees. It was like, like, that was like a big commitment. Also, I was taking on a lot of different things that I was passionate about. Um, so I, I would just say like, having a a good support system in place allowed for me to create the necessary balance to still be passionate about gotta have soul and contribute as much as i could but to also enjoy the rest of the other aspects of my life Um, but you know now that i've graduated i'm doing this full time and i'm loving finally having a chance to do that uh, and really sink my teeth in and apply all the stuff that i've learned all throughout the years yeah, no, it's amazing how you could, how you balanced all that at the one time. Honestly, I get stressed out if there's more than two things going on. Maybe that's just like the pandemic mindset setting in. Like I just did none <laughs> for so long, and now it's like more than one thing in a day. I stress out, but um, no, I, I've certainly been there. <laughs> yeah, no, finding that balance and like still achieving so much for the charity over the year. Like you've got so many, so many well-deserved accolades. Like um you had you've had awards from like hasbro from nickelodeon from cnn from you had you got an award from the president as well as far as i can remember like um out of all them i suppose like maybe which of them was your favorite or which meant the most or i don't know could you pick one like gosh i mean it's hard you know these were all amazing groups that supported the work that i'm doing so i mean i can't say that one was like my favorite per se uh they were all pretty amazing experiences and great communities to now be a part of uh through that and great organizations to have created relationships with um 
I, I will say that some of the ones that have been the most supportive over the years would be things like the World of Children Award. It's basically like the Pulitzer Prize for child advocacy. Uh, so like that's a big one here uh, in New York, actually. It's where they typically have their like gala celebration thing. So that was nice throughout college to still be able to attend those and, and represent um, Gotta Have Soul and, and, and uh, like the past honorees. But my God, I mean, so many cool things. I'd never... And I didn't anticipate all the <laughs> all the awards and recognition. I mean, that's clearly not why I'm doing it, but yeah. there were great ways to like get a, get platforms. You know, being on national TV, having opportunities to be on like the Today Show, be featured on CNN, or you know, the Halo Awards. Things that like really put me on a good platform to spread my message uh, were amazing and some of my favorite memories for sure. Yeah, and um, like I know. Of course, these these awards are amazing things. Like as much as, like you were saying, they were giving you a platform and they were giving you like there was much more to them. But I suppose maybe another aspect that maybe wouldn't be as concentrated on as much is like obviously you weren't a lot of the time you weren't the only person being awarded and things at these events. Like, was there a lot of people that you were meeting, maybe other young people and things like that that were nearly inspiring you more to move? to move on with your charity and keep doing what you were doing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every time I meet another young person who's committed to giving back to the world and making it a better place, I'm consistently inspired. Um, and I found it pretty amazing. Like I, so I had met a lot of young people uh, who were these like so young social entrepreneurs uh, from organizations like, like the We Are Family Foundation's Three Dot Dash Summit that they have. Um, through like uh, the Peace First Summit that I, you know, attended and was a part of for a while. Um, you know, all these amazing ways to meet young people who are doing this great work. It was always so inspiring. And I, I almost felt like we became part of this like big network because we would always cross paths at these different events. Uh, and it was always amazing to see like and hear from each other and see like what we were all doing and um, the next steps for each of us and you know the people who stuck with it the people who didn't or the people who passed the torch on to the next young person to lead their program and you know it was always really inspiring to see that and I, I definitely got to like at a when I was very young and I was very early on in doing this and I was meeting people who'd been doing it for twice or three times as long as I'd been doing my work I was so inspired to see what could become of Gotta Have Soul because yeah. you know it's such a unique thing you know it, it seems like it's so unattainable so out of reach to like take on a program like this but everything starts small right and it doesn't always grow and like something small makes it can make such a big impact almost sometimes more of an impact than bigger programs uh and so it's always like really inspiring for me to see how people are doing things on different levels and different scales and what i can learn from them and you know, sometimes I can learn as much from someone who's helping one small group of people doing a very small thing and like the diligence towards that. I could learn more from that than someone who's done a nationally run charity. Like it, it's, I've just always been very inspired by my peers. Um, and it's been pretty helpful, I think, in getting going and being uh, confident that I'm on the right path. Yeah, definitely. Like I suppose it's just a constant nearly learning experience the whole time you're doing it. And um, as you were saying, like mm -hmm. the charity's gonna continue to grow, and post lockdown, I suppose that 
post-COVID, that seems like a million miles away at this stage maybe, but what are the plans for Gotta Have Soul? Is there further expansion or what? what's your ideas? Sure. So um, it's always been my dream to be the footwear supplier for homeless children. Like when, when somebody hits homelessness I and they go to the shelter, I don't want them to have to think twice about who they're getting their shoes from. Like I want it to be through us. I, I firmly believe that we understand this community so well. And we care so much that, you know, I think that'll end up happening, but we got to start somewhere. You know, we are in all 50 states, but I want to saturate different regions before, you know, I really feel like we're maximizing our impact. So I'm going to focus on really saturating New England. Uh, so all the states around me pretty much, because uh, although it seems like we're pretty high up, there's a few states above us <laughs> that, that also have big homelessness issues and um, I want to make sure that all of the shelters in like the entire New England region are covered and then from there we can expand uh, move down I'll be able to I'm you know we're still working with shelters everywhere I just want to like make sure we're working with everyone in these different states yeah um, and so you know that's kind of what we're working on right now also because of COVID obviously like we can't have our ambassadors go in and physically teach the lessons so we've been kind of revamping that for a bit uh, i'm excited to roll that out soon um like a virtual college ambassador program and we can make sure that you know we have shelter workers who are on on board and like organizing it with us uh, and, and facilitating that as well as giving opportunities to university students who for the most part, are either stuck at home or stuck in a dorm room when they're not, you know, taking classes or something. So it's a great opportunity for people to, you know, make the most of this period of time and, and still find ways to get back and be active members in their community when everybody feels so isolated. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to roll that out soon once it's uh, finalized. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose this, like the whole pandemic has really just taught us new methods of doing, really doing what you've done before. But um, like, for example, what you were saying there, the virtual programs, like even a case that's going to be able to, like, you're going to take that nearly out of the pandemic and still be able to have a much wider reach than you had previously. Mm -hmm. Like it, There's a lot of positives to come out of it, really. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing for not just nonprofits, not just my organization, but the whole like business world. And I guess not even just in business, like everything we all, I think we all learn how adaptable we can be and how important it is to, you know, maintain your resilience and get through hard times uh, and find innovations through that. Uh, you know, I, I know like there's a lot of criticism towards the businesses that have profited over the course of the pandemic, but you know, they've all found ways to adapt uh, to the needs that are out there. And so, although, you know, there are mixed reviews on that, I think on principle, it just should show us that like, you know, when facing adversity, like a once in a lifetime pandemic that we're going through, we can still find ways to make the world better and address certain issues, maybe a little differently, but still to like make an impact. Um, and, you know, it's amazing to see how people are doing that in all different industries whether it's in the education space, business space as a bigger whole, like it's just like great to see people adapting and still doing what they love and finding ways to help those in need. 
Yeah, absolutely. It is really a case of I don't think anyone realised how well and how quickly we could adapt until until we had to. Um, mm-hmm. But I suppose even maybe looking even further into the future, like I suppose you probably haven't been asked this since you were like seven, but like sort of what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, is this your plan? You're going to work for Gotta Have Soul 40 years down the line or have you even thought maybe about that far? You know, it's a great question, and it's something that I've sort of been dealing with the, for the past few years, right? Like, as I was getting ready to reach the latter stages of uni, I, I was, like, a little unsure of the right path to go down. You know, I went to, like, one of the top schools for business in in the U.S., at least. I, I don't know about the whole world. I, I would imagine it's up there. Uh, and, like, they're really renowned for their finance program at like NYU's uh, Stern School of Business. And so like I initially for the first couple of years, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go into finance. I'm going to do banking. I'm going to make money for like a few years and then I'll do the stuff that I care about. And as time was going on, I was realizing that I, I cared too much about this to take a hiatus. Yeah. You know, I had built all of these skills. I had built up a good network. I cared so much. And then I felt like, if I didn't do it now, I'm never going to end up like sticking with this. And that was one of the things that I cared about the most from the beginning was, you know, I didn't start this to just be a one-off donation. I wanted this to last forever, or at least until the need disappeared. And I wasn't seeing that happening. In fact, it was getting worse. And so, you know, as the demand was increasing, I just knew that this had to be the path for me. So I, you know, I, graduated from uni took a little time off just to process all of that because you know it was also processing covid and everything um and you know what the path that i decided to go down was running gotta have soul uh full-time and also launching a footwear company to work with the charity so that you know with each pair of shoes that we sold uh, or sell we'll be able to produce a pair for gotta have soul also yeah uh, you know that way we can still be helping people uh and it's like a nice social entrepreneurial you know luxury shoe company uh so yeah. i'm in like the really really beginning stages of that like i literally have a the the most that has been done with that is like trying to think of the styles and stuff and like the name is being trademarked and i'm working on logos a little bit but I'm very far away from having like an actual product out there yet, but it's a really exciting path to go down. Obviously, I have a deep love for footwear and for finding ways to make an impact and maximize how others can make an impact. And so I think, you know, by doing something like this, not only are people going to know that they're like contributing to help people um, in their communities by buying a pair of shoes, it's also giving a pair of shoes. But it's also going to be like an environmentally sustainable product. So it's like a holistic, sustainable approach, I guess. Yeah. So uh, that's the approach that I've gone with for my like postgraduate work and the path that I think I'm going to stick on. Yeah, I I suppose um, in any case, like Gotta Have Soul, like you've been doing it for the past, what, like 10 years or so? Like that. 11 years now. 11 years. Like that's, that's not something you're just like, Right, I'm just gonna put that in the back burner for a while. You exactly, know exactly, I mean? exactly. <laughs> so, so now you're nearly like, um, I suppose you're starting the other project nearly like you were 11 years ago. Now you've two nearly gone, but uh, it's it's amazing. I'm looking forward to it's. I love to see sustainable and companies that that are producing things that 
have more than a i suppose this like manufacture sell the product mm -hmm. sort of an outlook it's much more holistic and um a, a better outreach than um than your normal product would have and i suppose that that's anything you were going to make it was gonna you you weren't gonna make it um like for your own benefit you know what i mean it's the same of as course, the charity of course yeah and you know i studied marketing and sustainable business in in university so i knew that this is something that i'd be able to work on i cared about my professors loved the idea back before i did anything with it uh, fellow students keep on being like when's the shoe gonna come out like i want to be your first <laughs> customer you know it's uh so that's cool and like it's nice to not have to stop gotta have soul either you know yeah. as i was saying like the ultimate goal for everybody who is in any form of public service should be that that need goes away right like i i wish gotta have soul wasn't necessary but it yeah. is and because it is this is what i'm doing to try and fix the issue um, and, you know, there's a lot of amazing programs that are focusing on the other aspects of homelessness so that hopefully, you know, between all the work that we're all doing, we'll be able to put a stop to it or put it on track to, you know, decrease or um, go away eventually. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, that's kind of like where I am right now. I obviously care about these a lot. Uh, the whole issue of childhood homelessness is such a big problem. And I feel so bad that people have to go through that because especially with kids, like it's not like they're choosing to be yeah. homeless or they're choosing the, you know, this path for them. So hopefully by, you know, providing resources, you know, we're alleviating the financial strain on families. They don't have to worry about, am I going to like buy uh, medicine or footwear for my kid? Like, you know, that's a, it's a big issue when you don't have enough money to focus on everything. Where do the priorities lie? Yeah. So by, by being able to provide footwear, you know, that's one less thing the family's going to have to worry about. So hopefully, you know, the path can shift a little bit, uh, and, and go towards a more positive, um, outcome, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I suppose I just got to have so hopefully grows and grows even further. Um, how, how can people follow what you are doing? Yeah, well, we're on social media. Uh, I, I believe it's just at Gotta Have Soul on Instagram if people want to follow along with that. We're trying to grow it a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's like Gotta underscore have underscore soul underscore. We're also on Facebook. So we do a lot of our posting there as well. We have a newsletter that people can sign up for. Uh, and, you know, we're updating our website pretty regularly with what's going on as well. It's just uh, Um And, yeah, if you want to check in on any of those, feel free. I'd, I'd love all the support that we can get as we're continuing to move forward and make an impact. So all of your support is really appreciated, guys. Yeah, and honestly, just a word of advice for anyone that's listening back to this. If you're going to have like a wee cry, like a nice wholesome cry, see the videos on the website of the children getting their shoes was like the most, it was honestly, it melted my heart. I've been watching them for like all week. They've just, it's so, it makes me so happy. Hey, I've been doing it for 11 years. I still get the same feeling. It's amazing. You know, I like the, like it's a, I'm amazed that we've been able to help like over 104,000 kids. Like that seems like a very big number and it like, it almost can make people feel like, Oh, like it's just like another statistic or whatever. Yeah. 
But when you actually see the videos and you can see the direct impact that it's having on kids, like it's amazing. Every time I go, I feel the same way that I did the first time I went to donate through God I Have Soul at a shelter. You know, it's the, it's the best. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it. And I really hope that everyone keeps up to date with your, what you're doing and that you keep doing what you're doing in the future. Nick, I've absolutely loved having you on. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. Well, everyone, uh, it's all for the week, Tim again. And to be honest, I've been having some very serious thoughts this week because I'm sure so many people have. I can't imagine anyone missed this news story, but just in case you did, last week the body of a young woman, Sarah Everard, was found in a woodland area in Kent after being kidnapped and murdered while walking home from her friend's house. And it's really hit home, hasn't it? Like it, I know that unfortunately women knew all this stuff anyway, which is the worst part. Um, I remember seeing something that basically said some something online. I can't even remember where I've seen it now, but um, it's basically said that every woman has a friend that's been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed, but no men have friends that would assault or harass a woman, and it it just made so much sense, like as much as you would never want to think badly of any of your friends or that they would ever be capable of doing such a horrendous thing. Unfortunately, the reality of the situation is that 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 is the reality. Uh, I think the statistic was that um, 97% of young women in the UK have been sexually harassed and like why why did it ever take for that to get to 97% and for another woman to be murdered for people to actually be like you know what this this is a serious problem but in the same way I do try and look on everything with some sort of level of positivity and as you will all know from listening to the show I always try and talk about ways that we can become the best versions of ourselves and that some ways that we can make the world a better place and I don't know if I'm the only one but I think that as absolutely horrendous as this problem is that for the first time really ever I mean as far as far as I can remember anyway um there's been a serious question asked about the culture of misogyny that we uphold every single day I think there's just been a mirror put up um and it's hit people really hard I don't think any anyone well any any young person especially will have been able to ignore hundreds upon thousands of stories and statistics of the reality that's faced by women every day that have just covered our social media pages and personally I've all I've always had a lot of male friends and a lot of my very best friends are men and I know that this week a lot of them have talked to me about about what's going on and how they can be better like I suppose I can only talk about my conversations with my friends but there was there was a genuine shock from all of them they didn't know that women that they, that they're friends that they're sisters um that they aren't able to walk home from like a night out for example um the same the same way that they can and 
this is probably the first time we've had a serious conversation about this. And I'm sure it's the first time a lot of people have had to have these conversations. And there's a saying, um, I think it was by Margaret Wheatley, as far as I can remember, that very great change starts from very small conversations held among people who care. So, as always, I'm going to end my thought for the week on a hopeful or a more positive note, and that that I'm really hopeful um, that this is the first of many, many important conversations that we're going to have that's going to make the world, I suppose, it's going to result in a better, a more equal, a more safe world for everyone. And that's, I suppose, that, that's, that's my hope. Uh, take a more posit- positive look, hopefully, on ways that we can improve and ways that we can do better in the future. Hi everyone, uh, this is a wee bit of a different note, um, a wee bit more personal, but it's something I really, really wanted to make sure that I mentioned. Um, some of you will know or will remember the Greenvale tragedy that happened on St. Patrick's Night in 2019, which resulted in the loss of three amazing young lives, um, Morgan Bernard, Lauren Bullock and Connor Curry. And I know it's said all the time, but honestly, it would be so very, very hard to find three better people if you tried. And two years on, I know the three of them are thought about every single day and that's especially true for their families. So basically there's been a song um, by singer-songwriter Jerry Cunningham released along with a music video with proceeds going to the amazing, amazing charity Anam Chiara, which provides support for parents after bereavement. And I know I don't have a massive platform, but anyone that's listening, if you could just please support in any way at all, it would be so, so massively appreciated. Uh, whether that's donating through the Just Given page or buying the DVD, downloading the song, or I know I know it can all be a wee bit strapped for cash at times, but even just like and share the video or stream the song on Spotify, absolutely anything. It's just so much so so much appreciated and the the song is so amazing and the the video as well um, I've cried about over it a good few times now it's just it's such an amazing tribute to the three lives and you can find it all on the Facebook and Instagram pages called a song for Connor um I've shared it as well on all my social media so it should be really easy for you to find and just thank you so so much in advance it's so very much appreciated just anything you can do to support uh, and finally, I'd just like to dedicate this episode to Morgan, Connor and Lauren and to all the friends and family affected by the tragedy. Well, that's about all we have time for on today's show. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope that everyone has a lovely St. Patrick's Day if they're celebrating and please remember to stay safe. Thanks again to Nick for joining me in the show and of course, as usual, to Joe for doing my tech and for putting the whole show together. Um, thanks to you for listening and of course remember if you have any thoughts on the show or anyone you think I should interview just shoot me a message you'll find me on social media um, I suppose that's all that's left to be said so thanks again for listening my name's Rebecca Dom Donaghy and this has been the Good News Scoop see you again next week <laughs>